Um, yeah, knew more of him. I think it just got closer this year. Um, but yeah, Evan has a powerful testimony, um, one that I've heard once in the past, and I really wanted him to share uh, today. And I actually might have you share again in the future because I realize it's Thanksgiving weekend, so a lot of people are out of town. But um, you know, I I think it's very rare, um, especially to see you know with uh, the gospel just being new in China, Chinese people to have a real, um, like, wholehearted uh, devotion uh, to the Lord in America, especially because a lot of us didn't come for Christ to America. We came for education, the American dream. And so, um, for Evan, um, I, I saw him, you know, I originally thought he was Korean. I still or sometimes think he was Korean because of the way he just loves Jesus, like, in terms of expression and um, but I was really pleasantly just surprised to see he speaks my language, and uh, like I was asking how his testimony, and I feel like, you know, those who are forgiven much love much. You know, that's what the Bible says, and I feel like um, that is uh, part of his story. You know, and I just want to give him some time and, and may it inspire us to see, you know, the goodness of the Lord um, in our lives. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. No. Hi church family, this is my first time here, and uh, I'm glad all my girlfriend Jessie's here. Yeah. And, uh, also, yeah, from Texas, my friend Hannah and Brian, they're visiting, and uh, I'm glad that they have been here with me. I'll just uh, introduce my, my, myself, and uh, my name is Evan, Evan Fu, and I was born in, in a cold city in Yantai. So I was born, born in the small city, so how I know Jesus is I know Jesus in the U.S. But before I really share, I want to share my, my background is uh, my family. So I was growing up in a family very traditional, you know, like Shandong is very traditional. Uh, my dad has a total of three brothers, and I'm the only son. You know, as a, as a only sign the family line when I grew up really with a lot of expectation and pressure. That's how I grew up. And uh, my dad is is famous in our near in the neighborhood that he's so disciplined. And he's uh, uh he's he's uh how, how should that he's a very serious, you know like an Asian dad, a serious dad, it doesn't really smell that much, always discipline you, right? Does give you a lot of expectation and he's very controlling. So when I was very young, um, similar, I, I think, yeah, he, well, he, not long, but he was in the military, yeah, so he's very disciplined, so, and uh, he had my, he already set my plan when I was very young. I pretty much knew which high school, you know, like college, if I'm still in China, <laughs> college, high school, doesn't matter if I could have a good grade or bad grade, I can go to that school. So he already planned it for me. So, you know, that's how I grew up. When I turned to 15, I will start to think. The question popped up to myself is, why do I exist? Why do I live, right? If my life is just follow whatever my dad is planning for me, I just feel like empty inside. I just don't know why am I live, right? So, I didn't have any religious background at all in China, right? And uh, I will start thinking. My, with my 15-year-old life experiences to try to find answers to myself. So, why do I exist? I got my answer. When I was 15-year-old, my answer was, no, life is meaningless. 
really were thinking and meditating my life, I already see the end. Right? I go to high school, college, work, find a wife, get kids. Then, at the end of the day, I would die. But ultimate answer for everyone would, would, would be death. So I was thinking, if I'm going to die anyway, why do I need to go through all this like 80 years or 70 years of pain, painful life? So when I was 15, I decided to commit suicide. Yeah, I commit suicide, and I remember I took like several, like a, a bunch of sleeping pills. I sleep at home like three days and three nights. Woke up, all right, I'm still here. <laughs> Woke up, and um, it didn't work. So I was, uh, I was decided, right, if I'm gonna die, why don't I just go out to really see the world? So when I was 16, I left home with a credit card of my father. <laughs> All right. Well, he, he gave it to me. He gave it to me. So I was traveling by myself, like go to like Hunan, Shanxi, like several provinces, cities uh, on the north side of China. So for about half a year to really travel, to get to people and do some works, you know, like I, I was like high schooler, right, work to really see China. And I think the the, the trip was really good, right? And I, I see a lot of things. You know, long story short, end of this trip, I told my dad I want to go outside of China. So I want to come to the United States. That's the reason why I'm here. So when I was 18, I came to the United States, right? So the first year I spent in West Virginia, second year I was in LA. So my uncle's family stood there, some relatives all over there. So for the first two years, it was very fun. You know, like whoever, you go to another culture, right? Everything's new, you learn a lot of things, you experiences, have good friends. Two years later, come back to the question again, mm -hmm. right? I had a fun, I had a good life, but what's the point? Yeah. Come back again, like 20 years old, the answer is the same. Mm -hmm. yeah. The answer is the same. Doesn't matter how good, how good food I had, you know, how Whichever the good friend I had, it's just life is no meaning. And so I decided again to end my life. So, you know, that, when that was in LA, Cerritos, Ohio, no, not Ohio, Cerritos, California. So, 20, 20 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, did uh, two times, long story short. And uh, I, I ended up at the mental hospital, right? Because you know the police will came to the house, bring me to the to the car. I wasn't committing crime, but they sent me to the mental hospital. And uh, there's some people was watching me twenty four seven for several days. They want to make sure I'm I'm not gonna do anything to harm myself. So that was the experiences. One thing I always remember when I was in the mental hospital, there was uh, a doctor, and he he, he he's a Cantonese. I remember his last name is Wang, right? And he, he is a Christian. Back then, I wasn't I, I wasn't believing God, right? I go to church for a lifestyle, but I wasn't believing God. So he shared with me. He said, "Okay, even though he did this, oh by the way, before I commit two more, like, you know, suicide." And he mentioned, "No, you're not dying because God not accept your life yet. He has a mission for your life." That's what he shared with me. My words, no faith. I remember that. I kept that. So, and after I, I leave mental hospital, and I decided to 
go off the street. You know, California, famous with a lot of homeless people. I used to be one of them. Mm. All right. So, and uh, in the year of 2008, joined first. And uh, that's a Sunday. I decided to go to church, say bye to my friend. Because back then, I went to church like a mission lifestyle. But I was not safe. I pray, Lord, all of them are saved today. Right, but if you're joining the church as full life, so for friends, but really think about what's the gospel. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I went back to church to say bye to all my friends because uh, I was young, have some friends over over there. So the leader, the two leader, asked me, "Would you like to pray a prayer?" Because they know what happened to me. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the leaders went to the mental hospital to see me. They know I'm very sincere. Nobody can stop me. Right. I was. They told them I'm leaving. I don't know where I'm going. But I believe. So they brought me to a room. We would pray a prayer really short. I didn't even know what that prayer for. Because I know that's their last request, right? For me, I would say, whatever you ask me to do, I would do it. So second day is Monday, June 2nd. And um, I was on the street. I threw the most of my stuff. I remember only, I still have 400 bucks with me with some small luggage on the street, I just, that's it. That's where's my life, right? So I, I was walking in the same, very similar neighborhood, right here, right? Similar houses, nobody around, no birds. And I was just walking. I wasn't expecting anything to happen, but things just happen so fast. In my mind, I tell you the truth is, uh, before this happened, my mind was to buy several bottles of sleeping pills and go to the ocean and swim in the night. That was my plan, how to, how to kill myself. But suddenly, there is a fire, a fireball, came down from this direction, came down to my chest. I can feel the fire was burning. And I heard the voice was speaking to me. I want to live. I want to live. I want to live a good life. I was shocked. I was, I was look around. Nobody around me. I was so shocked. What happened? But the changes is, I didn't want to die anymore. I don't know why, but that the fireball changed my something here. I want somehow I want to live a Good life, which is I never thought of before. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned, I was on the street. I, I slept on the street like a, a, a couch. I find it actually also the church. Mm-hmm. Somehow after that day, I feel this peace on my church. So I, I slept outside of the building like a broken couch for a week. And uh, I was really still think, thinking like, why, what, what this happened? Could because of medicine that the hospital gave to me? <laughs> right? Uh, well, the hospital gave me like a, already the portion, right, is uh, m- more than double a adult can carry the medicine. But it didn't work. But I would think it could be that or it could be God. I don't have any other answer beside that. So I was praying every day since then. And things really happened is all the things is just came true. I need a ride, somebody appeared to pick me up. 
dropped me off to my best friend's house like 30 minutes away. And I need a job. My best friend to find me a factory job. And I was share I was so happy I shared with all my friends. But back then my best friend they're Buddhism. You know what they share with me? They say, ah, you know what? That's a mental thing. You know, you're you're finding God. That could be the reason. You know, don't believe yourself too much. That I, I was doubting myself. But after that day, a year and a half, I read Bible. Well, before I don't read Bible, okay. But being a year, I feel shame. But being a year, then I read the Bible. The verse is Acts two third. This all was seen to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each other. That's the Bible. When I first read this, I was shocked. Oh, I wasn't. That was not my imagination. Bible talk about the tongues of the fire. When I first read this, I feel hallelujah. I was that was not fake. Bible testify how I experienced it. That's how I feel. Right? A lot of people. I remember before I became you know Christian. I see on the news people supernatural healing. I'm from China, right? I feel all this. Like all the fake, right? All the faithful money, you know. Like that's how I feel before. But now, when I see the Bible, how I experience it, I feel like a Bible testify what I experience it. And today, I'm standing here. I, I tell you, I'm testing five Bible. What has happened like thousand years ago has happened today. And after longer years, for the past thirteen years, I learned, right, and. Jesus said, "Whatever he did, we can do it.、Mm-hmm. He go to the heaven because the Holy Spirit can come to us. So we're we're walking our life is not based on our own strength, but the strength of God.、Yeah. I just share with you, and for the past of thirteen、uh, years, I've been following Jesus. All my girlfriend know how hard we're there,、mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's wasn't that easy." A lot of people were thinking, you know, how I thought is, oh, believing Jesus will make my life easier, make happier, <laughs> right? Oh, your love, so you know. So. <laughs> yeah, was not that easy. Really, starts the journey following Jesus was even harder,、Amen. right? But one thing I can share with you is, the difference is, even though I've been following Jesus so hard, but there's always hope. Yeah, it's good. Compare how I met Jesus before. My life was good.、Mm-hmm. My parents providing all the things. I have no lacking, but my life was dark, no hope. Yeah. Yeah. Even though after I following Jesus, I was cut off from my family. Just tell you,、wow. yeah, I was living by myself as a twenty year old without education. It was hard, but God always prepared the way for me, and He always gave me hope. And one thing I can share with you, how hard and how happy I was is I mentioned about my first job, the factory job.、Mm-hmm. I I went to North California for a factory job, and every day it's fifteen sixteen hours of working.、Wow. But I was so happy.、Wow. Every night I go back to like my dorm, I would read a. The Bible, like one chapter, once one time of Chinese, one time of English. My English was really bad at that time. 
I will need to like mark down like almost half of the verses, verses like the, all the strange words I try to memorize them. I will do 100 push-ups, 100 set-up. That's after 16 hours of working. Yeah, I hope I, I still keep it today, but... <laughs> that's how I... The beginning, how joyful I was. Yeah, and it was very hard. It was very hard. But one thing, I, I really appreciate God, I always share with Jesse, is because I've been through this hardship, right? Even harder, I will be more appreciative of what I have today yeah. to God. Amen. Right? And especially, it's been two years that I haven't shared testimony, and yesterday I was praying, I was tear down, saying, God, it's been a while. I forget how much grace you gave me to my life. But whenever I share my testimony, I feel like, okay, God, I thank you. Without you, I cannot be here. Without you, right? Without God, I can I can I don't I cannot imagine. Without God, I would not even exist here. So today I will just share with you. If you you know there's such Jesus, right? And I testify the true things about the tongues of fire, you can't have it. You can't. The Holy Spirit. Jesus go to heaven because the Holy Spirit will come down on each one of us. So open our heart and we follow him. Holy Spirit will be with you. He will guide you for a life. No promise for a good life, but there's a promise of good life. All right, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Wow, just, um, just so moved by the testimony, and uh, just thank you for sharing that. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Like, what a, what a story. Um, you know, this is the week of Thanksgiving, and just even hearing Evan say, thank you, Jesus. Like, how does we say thank you for bringing me through homelessness, through depression? Like, to be able to say thank you for that and a gratitude, how amazing. You know, how amazing. Because, um, yeah, just to hear that story of, you know, Evan talking about he had a good, you know, good life. Your dad was like a fat, rich factory. Like, he's going to live the rest of his life without knowing Jesus, in wealth, in comfort. And that, but then for God to bring him through that trial, bring him through that valley, bring him through depression and, and um, homelessness and just all that, um, that's actually God's mercy. You know, God's mercy that he would, he, he would blow up some of these things that we think in the world are good. It's like, oh man, I've got comfort and wealth. And, but if we don't have him, we have nothing. And just to see the truth of that, and then um, to be able to look back on that and say, thank you, Jesus. Wow, what, what a testimony. So thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, can you, can you pray for us? Can you pray for us to, to also to receive, this, to receive that, that heart of being of Thanksgiving, even this week of Thanksgiving, to be able to look at all these things that sometimes we go through, whether those are trials, whether those difficulties, um, and to see God's hand in it, uh, that's supernatural. Just like that experience that you have, supernatural is the only way to be able to see those things. You pray for us to have that same spirit of thanksgiving, Kevin. Yeah, let's all just uh, let's just close our eyes and lift our hands, and, and Evan's gonna pray for us to just God to open our eyes to see that. Let's close our eyes, open our hands, and in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord. I baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, go to the heaven because the Holy Spirit will be here. And baptize you with the holy fire. Yes. 
the name of Jesus, I pray, baptize those people, your sons and daughters, with a holy fire. Amen. Their life will no longer, no longer be the same because every day they walk with you. Yes. In the name of Jesus, Amen. baptize them. Yes. Lord, the Holy Spirit is, is exchanged by your life. How can we give more thanks to you for your crucifixion? Lord, this day, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, you see those people's heart. They doesn't want to live without nothing. They want to live with your Holy Spirit. Yes. With your promises. Yes. Lord, with your hope. Lord, just like the church's name, Lord, with your faith, yes. with your hope, with your love. Yes. Lord, we walk into this building. We will expect you yes. with us. Yes. Your faith, your hope, your love. Lord, we, our life will... will Every day we'll no more saying, Lord, we will expect you every day, every moment of our life, Lord. Yes. We thank you. The King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Amen. the Creator and the Father. Amen. We thank you, praise you, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's give them another round of applause. love that. I just love um, the this, this story, the faithfulness of Jesus. Just yeah, amazing. You know, the, the Bible says the saints will overcome by the blood of the Lamb the word of their testimony. So I just love hearing the testimony of God. It just, uh, yeah, and for anybody here who, can, um, you know, if the Lord is doing things in your life, uh, well, thank you. Um, yeah, just to think about those testimonies and, and let us know. We want to hear more testimonies. Amen. Yeah, we want to hear good. about what God is doing in everybody's life. Um, because uh, it helps, it encourages us, uh, everybody, anybody who's going through those similar situations, uh, yeah, it helps us overcome when we hear that faithfulness of Jesus. Oh no, that's okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying to multi multitask here. Uh, just to the side though, so. Cast these slides. Jeff, are we ready to cast some slides yeah, here? Yeah, go ahead. Get this cast here. All right, so, um, yeah, I'm going to try to follow up Evan's testimony with some word from the Lord, but praise God. Um, so let's see. Oh, I got here. Be able to do it right here. So, all right, so um, we're going to dive back into our sermon series. Um, it's 11.20, so we'll uh, try to keep it a little bit short for us here today. But if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Matthew 5. All right, so we're going to jump back into Sermon on the Mount. We've been in Sermon on the Mount for uh, a couple months now. Um, and I'm just going to actually review a little bit about um, what we've been talking about. So uh, we've been diving in the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' first like major sermon. Uh, this is his central pillar of kingdom living. All right, so we've been diving into it. And, um, already we've kind of gone through the Beatitudes. So there's eight Beatitudes. These are pillars of faith. These are uh, the blessings that Jesus gives his followers. Uh, 
eight different Beatitudes and how we should live as followers of Jesus Christ. And we've gone through and talked about all eight of them, um, the different blessings and promises that are associated with them. So that's the beginning of, of Matthew chapter 5. Poverty of spirit, having that, that identity that, man, we are in need. Even as Evan talked about his testimony, that's the truth is the truth is that we're all in need, we're broken and poor, that there isn't any hope, that we're sinners. You know, people when they go through depression, um, they're in the medicine medical field, we give them medicine to kind of alleviate that, that depression. But really what they're actually seeing is the truth. Yeah. That's the truth. You know, that truth of the depression is, yeah, I am like worthless. I am a sinner. I don't have anything worth outside of Jesus Christ. Outside of Jesus Christ. And in fact, if you think about it, the medicine we give People in the medical field, when they're depressed, um, people actually self-medicate themselves all right, from that truth. You know, out there, even without medicine, we can self-medicate ourselves with, with pleasure. We self-medicate ourselves with uh, pursuits of the world to try to ignore that deep truth. That yeah. deep truth that life is meaningless without God. Yeah. Without God. All right, so that's that poverty spirit, recognizing that, that need in ourselves, that spiritual need. Mourning, we talked about mourning, how that recognition of our spiritual need should cause us to mourn, to grieve. Right. We talked about meekness, uh, leaning on the Lord. We talked about hunger for righteousness, letting that recognition stir in ourselves a hunger for righteousness that God said he'll satisfy. You know, if we ask for righteousness, we ask for purity of heart, he'll give it to us. We talked about the Beatitudes of being merciful, being pure in heart, being pure make, uh, peacemakers and enduring persecution. So those are all the, uh, the Beatitudes we talked about. The one I want to highlight before we move on in Sermon on the Mount is purity of heart. Okay? Purity of heart. Because that's going to be so important um, as we get moved forward. And then after we talk about Beatitudes, next after purity of heart, all right, um, Jesus talks about radical righteousness. This is the setting, this is the springboard for this next section of Sermon on the Mount. All right? I think it, it all ties into that purity of heart. Um, because Jesus says something that's astounding to the people that are listening to him. He says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a wild statement, wild statement to those who are following. Because the Pharisees, they're like the, the picture of who should be the most righteous. They're like the picture perfect. These guys were like so intense about righteousness, you know, they would like tie Bible verses around their, around their, their arms to have them with them at all times. I mean, we think about washing our hands right now in the COVID era, like the Pharisees were washing their hands all the time, you know, all the time. So they were like the picture of righteousness. And Jesus says, actually, they don't have it. They don't have it. In fact, not only they have, like, they don't have it, you need to go beyond, beyond what their level of righteousness is. And people are like, what are you talking about? They're like, they are like the ones that are holding the line for righteousness. And the key is, Jesus says, it's all about the heart. It's about the heart. Not just the outward actions, but the heart. It calls us to this radical righteousness in Sermon on the Mount that is beyond the righteousness of the Pharisees, which is this outward, outward righteousness, action righteousness, but without the heart. So again, back that beatitude. He wants purity of our heart. He doesn't want just clean hands, but he also wants our heart, our intention. He wants our love. He doesn't want servants. He doesn't want slaves. He wants lovers. Lovers always out. Love always outwork servants. So, um, so he calls them to radical righteousness. All right, this is in uh, that next section, and he shows us the examples of how the Pharisees their righteousness doesn't cut it. Okay, because it's just outward righteousness. And he goes through a couple different examples. 
So if you look on the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, starting in chapter 5, uh, verse uh, 21, last uh, week Becca talked about anger, okay, um, being the seed of murder. Um, and, you know, if you heard, listen to the, the Pharisees preach, the Pharisees are preaching about um, the, the Old Testament law, the Torah. And everything in the Torah makes sense to most people. Like most people, you told me, is murder wrong? I hope everybody in this room be like, yeah, murder is wrong. <laughs> is adultery wrong? Everybody's like, yeah. Like, there's not a lot of argument about that. Even people who don't believe in God would be like, yeah, it's like not good to murder people. It's not good to commit adultery. And that's the line that the Pharisees were holding. In fact, and they held it very strong. You know, very, very strongly. All right? So they held these lines. and then, But Jesus says, you've heard it said, yeah, you shouldn't murder. But actually, even anger, anger is the seed of murder. I want your righteousness above. You've heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery. The, the, the level is higher. Don't even lust. Lust is, lust is the seed that leads to adultery. He goes through it. He says, you have heard it said. You have heard it said. You have heard it said. All these bad things that most of us would agree are bad things, but we don't realize the seed of it we're actually guilty of. Yeah. We're guilty of it. We're guilty of it. And we're going to dive into that second one here today. Um, but then he even goes beyond that too to even good things. Good things that we do. It's not just the bad things that we don't do, but the good things that we do do, if our heart is not pure, it's still wrong. It's still bad. Because he sees the heart. God sees the heart. And so even giving to the poor, pray, fasting. Jesus says, you see the, the Pharisees doing that? Their hearts are not in the right place, and I say that they're still in sin. And it's like, whoa! Like, not only do you have to avoid the bad things, but even the good things that you do, you have to check your heart. That's what Jesus says. It's like, wow. That is the level of righteousness that must exceed that of the Pharisees. It's heavy. It's a weighty, weighty thing. Okay. So, uh, we're going to jump into that second one um, that, uh, that Jesus mentioned, and it says in verse 27, You have heard it said, those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is more profitable that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. For it is more profitable than for your whole body to be cast into hell. So this is that second area of sin where, where most people, um, you know, if you're like me, you know, you, you immediately hear adultery, you're like, well, I'm not married, I can check out. You know, got that covered. I'm good. Good. Or like murder. No, I have never killed anybody, so I'm good. You know, like that is the way that we all think, right? Um, we're kind of like the rich young ruler. Later on in the Gospels, there's a, a rich young ruler that comes to Jesus. And this guy's a pretty good guy. All right, so he's like, yeah, like all the, all the commandments I have kept since my youth. I haven't murdered, I'm not stealing from anybody, like, I'm doing a good, how do I receive the kingdom? And, and that's the same heart that all of us have, right? A lot of us have, you know, and especially in the world, that's the spirit that a lot of people have, which is not recognizing that poverty of spirit that we talked about, the attitudes. Right? So we think we're doing pretty good. If you ask most people out there, are you a good person? 99% of people are going to be like, yeah, I'm a pretty good person, right? Like, if you talk to people, they're like, yeah, I, you know, you go to church, that's good. Good for you. You know, I, I don't go to church, you know, and I'm doing pretty good. Like, I'm a pretty good person, right? Most people think that. Um, but that is a, not recognizing that poverty of spirit, right? Not recognizing what Evan saw to be true, which is that it's all meaningless without Jesus. Recognizing that we have a spiritual need, okay? So having that poverty of spirit, that recognition, without it, we're like that rich young ruler, where we think, ah, oh, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. But here, Jesus, in this second, um, in this second, 
uh, piece here that he's talking about uh, sin, that we think that we've got it down, got it down. He said, actually, you don't. All right. So two important principles from this verse here um, is that one, immorality is not just in your action, okay, so the action of adultery, but in your heart. Right? So it starts in the heart. So whoever has looked at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So it starts in the heart. It's not just the action. Same thing I was about to talk about last week with murder. It's not just that she didn't kill anybody. And, you know, majority of us are going to go through life without killing anybody, right? But Jesus says, but all of us struggle with anger. All of us struggle with anger. And in the sense that we have anger in our hearts, we have murdered. And same sort of thing. We could go through our lives, you know, without being married, without, um, you know, committing adultery. But the lust in our heart, that's the same seed that leads to adultery. And we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. It starts in the heart, not just the actions. You can't go through life just being like, well, I didn't do that. But God sees the heart and knows that that heart action is what led to, leads to that sin. Adultery is the fulfillment, the, the, the end of that lust. Murder is the end of that heart issue, that heart sin, which is anger. So this, that's, that, that's principle one out of this verse. Again, spirit of immorality starts in the actions. Not in the actions, but in the heart. And number two, it is so dangerous that we have to make radical, radical lifestyle changes to avoid it. Jesus talks about plucking your eye out, cutting your hand off. You know, radical, radical things in your life to, to avoid sin because of how dangerous it is. All right, so we're going to dive into both those two principles. All right, so again, principle one, morality doesn't start in the actions but in your heart. And number two, we have to be radical about rooting it out. All right, so we're going to dive into the first, first one of those, that it comes from the heart. So uh, again, you know, the Old Testament... Jesus like highlights the Pharisees. He's like the Pharisees are teaching all the Ten Commandments, and people read you have know, read the Ten Commandments, and everybody would agree with this list of stuff, right? Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't covet. And again, you know, most of us are kind of like that rich young ruler. All these things we've kept, all these things we've kept, but have we? And Jesus says we haven't. We haven't. Right. Um, those are the law and prophets, the Old Testament, the Torah teaching. And Jesus said, I've not come to abolish them, but I've come to show you what they're truly about. What they're truly about, okay? To fulfill them. He's come to fulfill all those Old Testament laws. The fulfillment of them is not just doing them in action, but to do them in heart. So he says, that's the fulfillment of them, all right? So 517, the Sermon on the Mount, that's where he starts this whole series of do not, you know, when you do not be angry and do not commit adultery, do not covet and steal. He's showing us the real heart posture that we actually have to have. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, later on in Matthew, he says, Jesus says, "Love the Lord your God." So they ask, they're asking Jesus, "What is the greatest commandment? You know, what out of the Old Testament? What is the most important thing?" And Jesus says, "It's all about love. It's all about love. It's all about the heart." Okay. Love the Lord your God with your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second commandment is like it: love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. These two commandments, love God, love others. It's all about love. It's all about the heart. All, right? all these actions and, and, and these, these washing of hands and these ritual things that the Pharisees had thought had bought them righteousness had it because they didn't have love. And the same sort of thing we need to, to be sober about our own actions. The bad things that we avoid doing, the sin that we don't do, murder, adultery, the good things that we do do, prayer, fasting, if we don't have love, it's nothing. Right? Because love is the center of all 
the rules of all the law and the prophets. Love. Love God. Love neighbor, love your neighbor. All right? That is the fulfillment of love. And that's why Jesus can say, I came to fulfill the law of prophets, because Jesus demonstrated that true love. And he calls us to do the same thing. In Romans, Paul expounds on this even more. Paul says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. This is, this is the, the complete exposition of what Jesus was talking about. All, right. all those Old Testament laws, it's all summed up in love. Love. Love God and love others. So that's that radical righteousness. All right. Not just hanging, just not saying that I didn't do those things, you know, I didn't murder anybody, I didn't commit adultery, but no, having that heart, that heart of love. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers, you will certainly not enter the so love is the fulfillment. It comes from the heart. God wants our hearts, not just our actions. Not just clean hands, but he wants pure hearts. So, you know, all our external actions, whether they're bad, you know, whether these bad actions, murder, adultery, you know, revenge, lying, covetousness, or whether even they're good, good actions that we do. So Jesus highlights the Pharisees, not just that they didn't do bad things, but that also even the good things that they're doing. So even sometimes we, we think that we're really righteous because we do like good things. And we see other people and we're like, oh man, they did like a really good thing. And sometimes they highlight it, you know, for us so that it's easier for us to see it, right? Like social media, it's very popular. Like, oh, look at this good thing I'm doing. You know, take pictures of me doing this, this good thing, you know, and we highlight it. And then, you know, it's good to promote good things, but God sees truly our heart. And if their heart is for your own glory, if your heart is impure, if we don't have purity of heart in it, God says, you've received your reward already. Yeah. You've received your reward already. Because right? he sees truly what's in the heart. You know, so uh, nothing, with, without love, it's nothing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm a resounding God or a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Gain nothing. Without love, it's nothing. Without love, it's nothing. So that is the, that principle, that first principle. You know, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Um, Jesus tells the Pharisees that same, same thing. He says, you who are like whitewashed tombs, the outward appearance is good. Outward appearance, you know, they were walking in righteousness, but inside was full of filth. And then Jesus says to them, wash the inside of the cup, and the outside will be clean too. Wash the inside of the cup, the outside will follow. So clean our hearts, cleanse our hearts, the outside will follow. You know, um, I think one of the best examples of, of this, you know, this kind of deception that we all have about poverty of spirit, where we think we're doing pretty good, is... You know, again, we, we go back oftentimes to say, yeah, I didn't commit murder, I didn't commit adultery. But the truth is, you know, we all have that seed of anger, we all have that seed of lust in our hearts, and if we had the opportunity to do it without anybody notice, knowing, we probably would. You know, only by the mercy of God that he restrains us. Right? I think the best example is King David. So everybody looks back at the Old Testament, King David is like a man after God's heart, right? Like he is, uh, he wrote like half the Psalms, he's, he's this pillar of faith, He's a good guy. 
King David was a murderer, and King David was an adulterer. Like he, he fell into both of those sins. And the, the example of when he fell into it, so he murdered one of his best friends, and then he committed adultery with his friend's wife. He was king. He had, he had the ability to do whatever he wanted to do, and nobody could say anything to him. And because he had that ability, if we were put in that same sort of situation, if we were kings, you know, we don't have a lot of kings, you know, we're here in America, we don't have kings, you know, in China they don't have kings. Or, but if, they were, if you were an emperor in old China, and you had free will to do whatever you wanted, if you were the king of England back in like, you know, the, the, the Middle Ages, and there was no internet, nobody's like, you know, sneaking up and, and taking pictures of the secret things that you're doing, nobody's tracking your, your web browser, and, and, and you don't answer to anybody on the world, yeah. what sin would you? What yeah. sin would you fall into? Yeah. You know? Boy, I know for myself, like that, that's sobering. Because if nobody was watching, what would you do? Today a lot of people are watching, you know, your browser history or people you know on Twitter can always like, you know, people follow celebrities around and show all the bad things that they're doing. I know uh, sports people, you know, all these sports athletes like that that Kyrie Irving is like a perfect example of it. He's like, why are you guys always like watching what I'm doing and stuff like that? So there's there's people now who are like watching everything you're doing, but if nobody's watching and only God can see, you know, what, what do we do? You know, what are we doing? You know? And so Paul, uh, David, King David was the same way. You know, it says in the Old Testament, the time when kings were supposed to go to war, he was at home just kind of middling around doing nothing. All of a sudden, he saw Bathsheba. He saw her bathing. He's like, I want that. I want that. And that sin came out. He thought nobody would know. He thought nobody would know. And then he had her husband murdered. And he took her for himself. This is the guy that had heart after, you know, heart after the Lord. This is the guy. So how much more sober we should be about our own hearts? It's like, boy, if I was in that situation, praise God that he, he doesn't, uh, that, that he restrains that, and that I'm going to change my heart so that no matter the situation, I'm going to walk in righteousness even if nobody can see. So defilement comes from the heart. Right? It comes from the heart. So we can't just say that we didn't do those things because right? you know, if God put us in those situations, we very well might. In fact, the, 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 uh, in the Sermon on the Mount later, Jesus tells us to pray for this. Pray for this. In the Lord's Prayer, we all know, a lot of us know the Lord's Prayer by heart. Lead us not to temptation. Lead us not to temptation. Okay? So like, God, please help me avoid those sort of situations because I know the weakness of my heart. And I know that even if I haven't murdered anybody or haven't committed adultery, I know that there's issues in my heart with anger. I know there's issues in my heart with lust. And I could. You know, yeah. I could. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, I think about an example, you know, think in your own heart about the angriest that you've ever been. You know, a lot of, the, a lot, a lot of people here are Asian, and we don't usually express our outward anger quite, quite, as, quite as often, but, um, but even for myself, like, if you ask people around, I, I'm, I'm not, like, a super angry guy, but I can think back to the angriest I've ever been, okay? I bet a lot of you guys get angry at this sort of situation, too. The only times that I really get super angry is when I'm driving, okay? When I'm driving... I get so angry, like super angry. If somebody like cuts you off, like do you guys get angry at that? I get super angry. That's the only time I get angry. And the angriest I've ever been in my life was like like somebody um, was driving back to Columbus and somebody cut me up like uh, uh, I was trying to pass somebody. In fact, they didn't even cut me off. I was just trying to pass somebody and actually swerved in the lane to try to prevent me from passing them. For like 30 minutes, I was trying to pass this guy. Every time I tried to pass him, he would try to like go in front of me to prevent me from passing him. I've never been so angry in my life. Like, I was like, my phone out ready, like videotape, I was gonna call 911. Like, if I had to like, um, and then he actually tried to get me to pull over, and he got out of his car, was like yelling. I think 
I don't, I don't know if some other red car like that looked like my car did something to him or something he thought that I was the one. But like, he is trying to fight me. This guy, he got out of his car and tried to fight me for trying to pass him. I was so mad. I was so mad. And in that moment, thinking back on it, like that is the most angry that I've ever been. And if we were in the middle of nowhere and like he had a gun and I had a gun, things could have gone very badly. Things could have gone very badly. And, uh, and I don't know if you guys have ever reached that level of anger before, but I think it's probably pretty common. You know? Probably pretty common. Right? And, uh, and for God to just change, after we're so convicted, be like, wow, my heart was ready. I was ready to get out and fight this guy. You know? Not be a peacemaker. <laughs> Not be merciful. You know? Because that revealed, that revealed what's truly in my heart, which is that, that anger that could have led to murder. You know? That's sobering. That's sobering. So that was a moment in my life where I realized, Actually, even if I think that I'm not a very angry person, there is anger in my heart. And in the right situation, if you put me in the right situation, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And that is true for anybody in this room. With the right situation, with the right setting, all of us are capable of murder. All of us. It's in our hearts. It's in our hearts. All there. We just haven't, by the grace of God, we haven't been pushed there. By the grace of God, we haven't been pushed there. You know? Imagine, like, somebody, like, you know, mistreating, you know, you or like to the worst extreme, how far could we handle it before we cracked, you know? It's by the grace of God that he keeps us from the situation. So we have to have a sober mind about it and realize that in our heart, when we see murder, you know, when we see people convicted for murder, absolutely, you know, they, they deserve judgment, they deserve, you know, whatever the penalty is, but also realize that, you know, we could be very well the same, the same situation. So, so defilement comes from the heart, right? So it's in all of our hearts, all of these things, anger, lust, uh, divorce, oaths, revenge, all those sins are in our hearts, even if we don't, even if we don't get to the full expression of them, even if we don't get to the full expression of anger, which is murder, even if we don't get to the full expression of lust or divorce, which is adultery, even if we don't get to the full expression of lying, uh, revenge. And same sort of thing with those good things. Later on, Jesus says, Surely I say to you, even those good things that we do giving to the poor, prayer fasting. He wants to see our hearts in the right place. Um, so, you know, those good things, uh, you know, even if we do those good things, like prayer and fasting, if you don't have the right heart behind it, God says that he doesn't even know you. you know, so not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name and then he will declare to them, I never knew, depart from me, workers of lawlessness. Yeah. This was not just the outside, it's the inside heart. He wants our hearts. He wants our hearts. Blessed are the pure in heart. That's why I wanted to highlight that beatitude. It all goes back to that, that heart posture. Blessed are the pure in heart. God sees the heart, not just what our actions are, the bad things that we don't do, or the good things that we do do. He sees the heart. He wants our hearts. Okay. Um, defilement comes from the heart later on Matthew 15. Um, Jesus talks even more about this. Not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. And what comes out from the mouth comes from the heart. Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Um, you know, we, we, I've talked with a lot of uh, a lot of young guys, and especially about sexual immorality and pornography. And part of the the, the argument that a lot of um, guys would kind of trick our minds into thinking is, like, 
ah, I'm not hurting anybody. No, I'm not hurting anybody. It's not, you know, it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's just me and, and, and sexual sin. But actually, Paul later writes um, in, in 1 Corinthians that sexual sin is actually sin against yourself. You're harming yourself. You're harming yourself. Right? And, um, and, and sexual sin, too, especially, out, it's what comes out of heart, not that what goes in. You know, I, I oftentimes think about how um, if your heart is depraved, if your heart is, is, is sick with lust, you could look at anything and, like, you know, a lot of things, to, to, and that will stir up lust. You know, a lot of things. You talk with some people that, um, and, and even in times in, in our own lives where we're, where we're caught by lust, even the smallest thing, you know, it doesn't even have to be pornography. You just be walking outside and like, I, I think when, I think a lot of guys will understand this, when you're like a teenager, your hormones are raging, like, you don't have to be looking at pornography. Lust stirs up in your heart. You can be walking outside and like anything would stir that up, right? That's how depraved our hearts could be. Um, I remember talking with one of my buddies. We were actually in the mall out in Tuttlebeck. I don't know if the Victoria's Secrets is still there or not, but like, you walk by Victoria's Secrets, and there's all these like pictures of girls in lingerie, all right? And the world would be like, oh, it's okay. Like, that's not pornography, right? You know, it's just like, it's just an advertisement. But that stirs up lust in your heart. That stirs up lust in your heart. If you don't have your heart in the right place, that stirs up lust, and that's the same thing. It's the same thing. So we ask God to transform our hearts so that when we look at those things, it doesn't turn us to lust. But if we actually have love, we can look at things like that and be disgusted by pornography, because we look at that instead of saying, oh, look at that like beautiful woman. How can she meet my needs? How can she meet my needs? My sexual needs, my emotional needs. How can she meet my needs? That's not love. Love will look at that and say, how can we meet their her needs? You know, what are the needs of that person? That's true love. So that is the heart posture we have to have when we see those things. And if we have that heart posture and change in our hearts, if we looked at things like pornography, it, it would make us disgusted because we would see how that person is not being treated with love. Yeah not being treated with love. Yeah. We have that person's interest. It would break our hearts. Yeah. And that's the Lord's response when he sees those things. Yeah. When he sees pornography, it breaks his heart. You know, it breaks his heart. It doesn't stir up lust, it breaks his heart. Yeah. Because it's love. It's yeah. love. That's love. Mm -hmm. right. um, so again, you know, back to that, back to this passage in Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman lust for her has already committed adultery with her in their heart. So it's about the heart. It all starts in the heart. Right? So that's point number one. It all starts in the heart. Point number two that we'll kind of wrap up with here today um, is if your right hand causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Drastic, drastic steps. Take drastic steps to cut sin out of your life. Right? Um, in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul says, uh, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are body of Christ. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. Um, there's um, there's this, this uh, principle in, in, in surgery, in, in, in medicine. So infections. All right. So you have many different types of infections. All of this probably have like little infections. But the worst type of infection is something called necrotizing fasciitis. Mm -hmm. I thought about putting a picture up for everybody, but that's not something you guys have seen before. And RJ's back there, he's waving his hands, he's like, no, 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 don't show it. Alright, so, you know, there's little infections, and then there's like the fullness of bad infection. Alright, that's necrotizing fasciitis. It's, it's gangrene, it's just, Becca's seen it before, I'm sure. 
So necrotizing fasciitis is where the bacterial infection has ramped up. It's like it's like a ball rolling down the hill, and it's gathered so much speed that the bacteria are just like a plague. It's like a movie. It's just like you can actually see it. Um, when it's bad enough, you can actually see it visually creeping up somebody's skin. Okay? You can actually see the change of that skin dying, right? yeah. that infection spreading. Right? And the treatment for necrotizing fasciitis isn't just watchful waiting and antibiotics. It isn't just draining the source. It's cutting everything off. Yeah. Cut it all off, including the good tissue. You got to cut everything. Cut everything. We say cut till it bleeds. All right, cut till it bleeds is the principle of surgery. Say. Because not only do you cut the tissue, the bad tissue, the bad tissue actually doesn't bleed. It's already dead. It's already dead. When you cut that tissue off, it's already dead. It doesn't bleed. You got to keep cutting until you get to healthy tissue until it bleeds. Cut everything off. Cut everything off. You know, back in the Civil War times, that's why, it, you, you know, if you see pictures of Civil War and people had small little injuries, like a little gunshot wound in the leg, they cut the whole leg off. They cut the whole leg off because they knew what was coming. They didn't have the antibiotics to, to slow things down. They didn't have the, the understanding of hygiene to slow things down. But they knew what was coming. That small little bullet hole in the leg would lead to necrotizing fasciitis, would lead to loss of the whole body. That's why they cut people's legs off, left and right. They would cut it off. And we still, to a certain extent, do that. Somebody has necrotizing fasciitis, they go to the operator, you cut until you're actually cutting healthy skin out. You're cutting actually good things out in order to stop the infection. Yeah. And that's what Jesus is calling us to here. Yeah. To cut off even good things. Right? Things that are not necessarily sinful, but to have such a, a, a repulsion to sin, knowing what it will do to us, that we're willing to cut off things that are even good things in order to, to prevent that infection, prevent that from spreading. All right. And so that's the extreme level, that radical righteousness that God is calling us to. All right. To be so uh, uh, consumed by the knowledge of how evil sin is, to want to do everything we can to cut it off. Right. Um, oops, I went the wrong direction. All right. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's what Jesus says. And so the same sort of, that's, that's what he's talking about here plucking out the eye, cutting off the hand. It's just the body. Right? We're talking about the soul. So don't even be afraid of like, you know, whatever things that you have to cut off in your life. It's not necessarily your hand or your eye or whatever, but like these good things. I know, I, I talk with Daniel all the time about, um, Daniel has this, this covenant that he's made with God. Um, Daniel's one of our, our young guys here. And, uh, and it's not even, he said he's not going to watch YouTube at all. He doesn't watch any YouTube. Which for me is like, it's like, Man, it's okay. Like you watch like <laughs> one or two YouTube a day, everybody. But he knows that like his his heart can sometimes go to the place where he'll watch YouTube for like you know like a long time or whatever. It leads him to to certain sins that he doesn't want to lean into, and and so he says, no, no more. Like not even a good thing. Like YouTube. Like not a single video. Not a single thing. A single second or a minute. I'm gonna cut off this, which is not an evil thing. Like inherently, you know, it's like. You know, it's not bad to watch like that funny, you know, hamster video or that funny cat video on YouTube. But he says, even that, I'm gonna cut that off right? yeah. in order to preserve my heart. To preserve my heart. Right? I'm gonna cut off even good things. And that's I think what Jesus, that's a perfect example of what Jesus is talking about. Cutting off your hand or plucking out your eye. Even these things that are not inherently bad, because we have such a repulsion, a knowledge of our own weakness, that we say, Alright, I'm gonna do everything I can, everything I can, to flee from immorality. Pluck it out. Cut it off. All right. Make those radical commitments. All right. 
Um, and Job, Job talks about, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon you openly? If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or if I flirt at my neighbor's door. That, that's the same thing that Jesus wants us to do. Make that covenant. Make that covenant with our eyes. To know that in our hearts are weak. To know that there's sin in our hearts. Do everything we can to cut off all those things that lead to the inner love. Cut off all those things. So even things that are not necessarily evil, you know, whether, and so that's kind of where I want to end with here, to have us consider that thing. Let the Holy Spirit stir in our hearts. What are the things that we have compromised or the things that we've let into our lives that are not necessarily bad, but that lead us into anger, lead us into lust, lead us into sin? Even if those things aren't necessarily bad, what is it? What is it in our life? Is it that TV show? Is it, is it that, that music? Uh, is it even things that, like, um, one of the things that I think of, you know, we, we have Christian liberty to, to, to do this, to do a lot of things, you know, what goes into the body is not sin. But I think about even alcohol, you know, for, um, you know, so for a lot of staff, all staff members here have, have decided no alcohol in our lives. Is alcohol in and of itself evil? No, not in and of itself evil. But we know that there are things that alcohol can lead to, anger, depravity. So, you know, for you, Jesus, we're going to cut it all off, cut it all off. Not because it's inherently evil, but because we want to have extreme radical righteousness. Because we know our own weakness. Our weakness. So, um, so yeah, so if, if Paul even says, um, I was hoping, hoping Mitch would be here for this one, but uh, Paul even talks about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, if my, if my brother or sister thinks that it's evil to eat meat, I'm not going to eat meat because I love them so much and I don't want them to stumble and sin. It's like, whoa! Like... <laughs> For a lot of us, like, you know, a lot of us fat people here are like, oh, giving up meat for my brother or sister? That'd be really tough, you know. But that's love. That's love. And the same sort of thing. Not only what things that we practice in our own lives, but what about the, the resolutions that other people have made? You know, if, if Weibo says, I'm not going to watch these type of movies because it might lead me astray, I'm, I'm going to say, all right, I'm not going to watch those movies with you either, you know. Or if this music leads me astray, I'm not going to listen to it. It's like, yeah, I'm going to join you with that, brother. Even if it doesn't lead me, or even if it's not a weakness of my own, but because I love you, I'm going to also say, no more for me. No more for me. Okay. Um, you know, if, if my brother struggles with drinking, I'm going to say, you know, no more. I'm not going to drink either. Not because I struggle with drinking, but because of, I love my brother. You know, what are those things in our lives, and what are those things in our brother's life? How do we love and help each other as a community to kill sin, to kill sin? You kill it at the root, in the heart. Whatever that takes, if it means not watching those type of TV shows, not watching those types of movies, not drinking, not going to those types of parties, not because they lead me into sin, but because they lead others, lead my brother into sin, that's love. And to recognize when those things lead us into sin as well. And letting the Holy Spirit identify that. It's so hard, again, you know, it's so hard for us to see. Jesus talks about that again. You know, it's hard for us to see the plank in our own eyes. It's really easy to see the, the speck in our brothers. So, um, kind of as we close here, uh, this is this message. Now, let's take some time to let the Holy Spirit uh, highlight anything in our hearts, those things in our hearts that need to change, anything in the area of our life that has had a compromise. Where and where is the Holy Spirit asking us to give up things that might even be good for the sake of purity of heart, for the sake of righteousness? What can we give up? What can we give up? Um, so, Jay's yeah, gonna play some music for us. All right, would you, uh, Jay, yeah, you just.
play some music for us, and if you would close your eyes with me, and, and just let, let's let this, this passage um, convict us. Uh, let's serve on the mount convict us. Join me in pray. Jesus, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this, this challenge that you've given us in Sermon on the Mount. To have righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees, this level of purity that you're calling us to, Jesus, we ask you for help because we can't do it. We know we yeah. can't do it on our own. We need your help. We need your help to walk in. So Jesus, we ask you to give us grace to walk in purity of heart. Holy Spirit, even now across this room, for every brother and sister, we say we acknowledge that we have sin in our hearts. Yeah. And even if our actions are clean, God, we acknowledge that our hearts are impure. Holy Spirit, would you show us, would you open our eyes to see the areas in our hearts that you want to change? Whether it's anger, whether it's jealousy or bitter envy, whether it's lust, whether it's lying or selfish ambition. Holy Spirit, would you begin to you right now across the room, convict hearts, convict our hearts of sin. We know it's there. We know it's there. We confess that it's there. We need your help to root it out. To walk in true righteousness, not just with our actions, but with our heart. Thank you, Jesus. Just take a minute. Let's just take a minute. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Stand with me and we'll close with the worship song. Yeah, let's just take a moment to give our hearts to the Lord. 
that even as uh, Joseph was saying, just like think of what in your life you cut off. You know?